There's a certain order to life that I like. Uh, Nancy and my kids can probably tell you have some idiosyncrasies. Um, some of my grace group can tell you that. There's one night, we always have dinner on Wednesday nights before our grace group, and there's one night that we didn't have dinner arranged, and so it fell to me, and our group had peanut butter and jelly. I just warned anybody who might have a peanut allergy that they might not bring their own. Jenny, what was the, what was the difference when I served peanut butter and jelly? You can't mix the peanut butter and jelly. You use different knives. I mean, some, there are, do you believe there are some insane people who actually use the same knife in the peanut butter and then in the jelly? And then you look in the jelly, and my wife's waving. She's one of the insane ones. And you look in the jelly, and there's clumps of peanut butter in that. That is gross. <laughs> there are certain, certain, certain things that this is just the way they ought to be. And most days run like that. And a lot of times Sundays run like that. There's a lot of planning that goes into worship on Sunday mornings. It doesn't happen haphazardly. The choir gets together. The praise team gets together. There's a lot of planning that takes place weeks in advance. Uh, Sermon series like this, Love Real. Weeks in advance we're planning these things because I don't believe that God, you know, just sends the Holy Spirit to work on Saturday nights. Uh, the Holy Spirit works just as well on Monday morning as he does on Saturday night. But there are t- sometimes that God uses circumstances to send you off on a little bit different direction than you would normally be. And today is one of those days. And so here's what I want to do. I want to ask you to open up your grace notes for those of you, especially who are very serious about taking those grace notes. I think I may have, uh, I better bring mine with me. I think so. Yes, here is mine. Just because I know some of you are OCD and you like to have every blank filled out, I'm going to fill your blanks out, and then I want to talk to you. And so, if you're on the front, love does not delight in evil. That would be the first blank. We've never done this before, have we? Um, The uh, second blank's down there, a person who's who is loving God, loving others, takes no joy in those things that are not right. That is, those things that are outside God's will. Kind of the major points under that first heading are love takes no pleasure in other people's sin. Other people's sin. Then love takes no pleasure in personal sin. Flip over to the inside. Second part of the verse that we're focusing on today, love rejoices with the truth. And uh, the main first major point under that, love seeks truth for our own lives, own lives. Then love seeks truth in the culture. And finally, love seeks truth in relationships. Now, you're welcome to use whatever space is there to write down whatever the Lord lays on your heart today, but I just want to share some things with you from my heart this morning that, um, that the Lord really um, impressed upon me last night. But first, 
Let's hear this portion of scripture that we've been focusing on and then allow God to to speak to us through it. God's word says this in 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in chapter 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. And then we begin with this definition of love that Paul, that Paul gives us, that actually God gives us through Paul. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The focus of this week's message was going to be that portion in verse 6. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. After the events in Colorado this week, those words took on brand new meaning for me. You know the story. It was a midnight premiere of the new Batman movie. The crowd had gathered, some in masks. They make a big deal out of these midnight premieres. Well, evidently, a young man, 24 years of age, Ph.D. candidate in neuroscience or something like that. So he's got to be a pretty smart, smart guy. As the movie started, he got up with his cell phone. This is, this is the, the details of what, what people have gathered so far. Got up with his cell phone as if he was going to take a call, went out the emergency door, and he blocked it open. Moved his car to the area where he needed it, girded up in what we could probably say was pretty much like SWAT gear, armored vests and other accoutrements, over 600 rounds of ammunition, two handguns, a shotgun, an automatic assault rifle. Went back into the theater, threw a couple of what we assume were either tear gas canisters or smoke grenades. Everything's still a little bit on the fuzzy side. Things change kind of from time to time. And then began to shoot people. And when the carnage was over, there were 10 dead on the scene, two who died at the hospital, and over 50 casualties, 11 of those at least quite serious. And now the talking heads on television commentators and newspapers and magazines are all trying to figure out how something like this could have happened. And I've heard words like insane, crazy, mentally unstable used. I'm not sure of what all the circumstances were, and it'll probably take us a while to figure all that out. But here's one word I have not heard used on any major news broadcast yet. 
evil. Now, I can be criticized for saying this, and that's okay. I believe we have a God who is victorious over Satan, but I believe there's a Satan. And I believe he has demonic forces. And I believe that these demonic forces work in the lives of people who are hurting, rejected, unstable, to lead them to do things that are sometimes way out of character. Quite frankly, I can come up with no other word that fits what happened in that theater in in Colorado that fits it better than evil. Now, you and I look at this, and we look at this passage of Scripture which says love does not delight in evil. And, And we look at that and we go, well, certainly there's no delight in that for me. That is heartbreaking. We grieve over that. Love doesn't delight in that. God's people don't delight in that. That is abhorrent to us. That anyone could so callously and with calculation that may have perhaps gone on for months leading up to it could so callously take this precious gift of life away from so many. Love does not delight in evil. But what I discovered as I looked at that portion of Scripture is that this word evil is is two two parts of that word in the Greek. Um, The major word being right, And then if you stick an A in the front of it, what that does in the Greek is it actually negates it. And so not right, which I think I put in your notes, is literally what that word means. Love takes, finds no joy, does not delight in that which is not right. Now we can look at that and we go, I mean, I think we could all vote on that and we'd have... We wanted a few votes taken in a, in a Baptist church anywhere where it's 100%. We could all vote that going in there and shooting up those people was not right. But that word is bigger than that. It is anything that is outside of the will of God. And as I take a look at our culture, which quite frankly helps to breed these kinds of incidents, then I begin to recognize that we in our culture have actually begun to take delight in those things that are absolutely contrary to the will of God. Case in point, the Jerry Springer show. I don't know Jerry, but I do know this. And the couple of times that I've seen excerpts from that show, all that show does is bring up the dregs of our culture, put them on a stage where they are applauded. We find entertainment value in moral decay, 
in things that, that God has said, if you love me and you love others, then you will not delight in this. It's the very thing that highlights our TV guide schedules. And it doesn't stop there. There's very little TV that we watch. I, I joke that we pretty much watch news and sports. And that's pretty close to it, except we do like, like you know, uh, pawn, pawn stars and American pickers and things like that. I did say pawn, not porn. <laughs> Saying that not only for your sake, but for the sake of the CD, when other people hear it who weren't here. What did he say? But some of this reality television, I look at that and it breaks my heart. Let me give you an example. And again, I'm not picking on anybody's viewing habits. But I believe it's MTV that has this teenage mom show. Very popular with teenagers. I've seen just excerpts from it, and it's heartbreaking. Because what they're saying to our teenagers is that this is acceptable behavior. To go out and to get pregnant and to have a baby bump at 14 is a-okay. And yet I go to God's word and it says that if we love God and we love others, then we will not find our joy, our delight, our entertainment in things that are contrary to the will of God. Things that are contrary to what is right and good and godly. And yet it's hard to turn on the television without seeing this. What what are the magazines that are displayed right there at the checkout counter at the grocery store and at Walmart? Now, yeah, sure, you can read about how, you know, an alien just came down and visited with President Obama. Not an illegal alien. Well, I don't guess he was documented, but... If you don't look at those things... I'm not encouraging you to to linger too long, but you might just want to see what the popular culture views as entertainment. And I have to ask you, does it break your heart to see where we are as a culture? Not just the shooting in Colorado, but in the everyday entertainment value of things that are absolutely contrary to what God says are good. Love does not delight in that kind of evil. It doesn't delight in anything that's outside the will of God itself. Anytime that there are injustices, anytime that... Anytime there's abuse, that should break our hearts. When we see that there are over a million abortions 
performed in the United States every year that should break our hearts. When we recognize that thousands, thousands of girls and boys are being used as sexual slaves in the Atlanta metro area alone, we should grieve. When we recognize that there are husbands who are beating I don't mean verbally abusing. I mean beating the crap out of their wives on a weekly basis. It should break our hearts. And more than that, it should motivate us to get off our keisters. Get out there where the world is hurting. And tell them there is a better way. And that there's a God who loves them. And has a plan and a purpose for their lives. Love doesn't delight in our own personal unrighteousness either. You see, it's easy for us to pick on the world. But it's far harder for us to look into the mirror. And ask God, what is it that's not right in me? God, when you look into my life, what breaks your heart? Because if love does not delight in evil, in what's not right out there in the world, Love also doesn't delight in what's not right in our lives either. There's a reason that sin is tempting to us. There is pleasure there. There is stimulation there. There's something to be had in it, otherwise it wouldn't be very tempting And yet with that in mind, when we look at our lives, we can, I, I grew up watching a lot of uh, these silly TV shows, Gilligan's Island, uh, Gilligan's Island was neat. Uh, I never could figure out how they could fix all those coconut cream pies. I mean, I knew where they got the coconuts, but where did they get the crust? And I didn't ever saw an oven. Yeah, anyway, uh, Get Smart. Get Smart, you remember the, the beginning of Get Smart? He was walking through and all these doors would open up and Get Smart. And then when he'd come back through, all the doors would close, lock behind him. This is what we do with the things that are not right in our lives. We see it, God points it out, and we walk away from it and these doors begin to close and lock behind And instead of going to God and saying, God, let me confess this that's not right. Let me turn from this that's not right. We lock it away as if God can't see it. How small a God do you have? No locked door, even if it's lead-coated, 
is going to keep God from seeing what's in your life. Now, we often think that the reason God gives us, says don't do this and don't do that, is because God is just trying to keep us from having fun. I remember when, uh, when Jackie first started learning to ride a bike. <laughs> As a parent, when the training wheels are getting ready to come off, she had elbow pads, she had knee pads, she had a helmet. Man, she we decked her out. She was ready, ready for a fall. We, we decked her out. But why did we do that? Because we didn't want to get her to get hurt. Was it cumbersome? Well, actually, the stuff was pink and purple. She probably thought it was fun. But we often look at this and say, God, don't, don't tell me No. God, don't point this out in my life. Don't you know that this makes me happy? And God, with a broken heart, looks into our lives and says, that's going to hurt you. That's going to break you. That's going to leave a scar. And we close the doors and we lock the doors and we say, God, I'm keeping this. This is mine. The Bible says you can be sure that your sin will find you out. There is a price to pay. And let me tell you this, it is always higher than advertised. Sin always has a sale sign. But I got to tell you, when you check out, it's always higher than advertised. And so our scripture tells us that, that love does not delight in evil. But you know, it also tells us something else. That love rejoices, delights in the truth and with the truth, alongside the truth, tracking along with the truth. What does that mean? That means there is actual joy to be found in the things of God. But we have become so numbed by the things of the world that we can't experience the joy that God has for us. The thrills of living in His will. This past week, I appreciate you praying for the golf camp this week. Let me tell you, we had 20 wonderful kids there. We had some great golf instruction. We had six young men and women out of 20, pretty good percentage, who made first-time commitments to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, I got a good tan, and I enjoyed the golf, and I know a little more about it than I did before, although I'm not much better. But what thrills me from that golf camp was not the opportunity to get on the golf course four days in a row, which never happens, folks. But the six names were written into the Lamb's Book of Life. Folks...
Golf lasts four hours, sometimes five, the way I play. But salvation lasts for eternity. Is there joy in the things that bring joy to the heart of God? And, and here's what I want to ask you to do. Ask God, God, would you show me those things that thrill you? I promise you, if you ask God to begin to show you the things that bring joy to his heart, he will do so. Because he wants to bring you along with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. He wants to bring you right alongside him so that you too can rejoice in it. So that you are not satisfied simply to go out and play a round of golf. But you have a higher purpose and a higher meaning to your life. That your life matters for eternity. We have a world that is desperate for the truth. They're looking for something. Something to feel that need. Something to feel that void in their lives. And you've got it. Do you rejoice in it? I'm going to tell you something. If you don't rejoice in your salvation, if it doesn't lift you, if there isn't a peace and contentment in you about what you have that can never be taken away, I'm going to tell you your track record of leading people to Christ is going to be pretty pitiful. I'd like to introduce you to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He makes me so happy. I'm not saying you got to walk around with a silly grin on your face like Gomer Pyle. But is there joy in your life? Is there, do you know that you are set free? I got to tell you, when you know that you're set free, there's a, a joy that comes. When you know that if no matter what happens, if you don't wake up in the morning, if you know that your salvation is secure, there's a joy in you. And we don't have to walk around goofy and silly with a big grin on our face all the time. But I got to tell you what, if people do not see that there is joy in your salvation, they're going to have a hard time accepting Jesus themselves. Love does not delight in evil. It doesn't rely, delight in what is wrong and what is outside the will of God. It doesn't find its entertainment value there. Instead, love rejoices with those things that are true, with those things that are right, with those things that are noble, with those things that bring joy to the heart of God. And my prayer is that you and I will not only stand for the truth, but we will live in that truth, be set free by that truth, and carry that truth in this world that needs it so badly. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Salt that loses its saltiness is of no value. It's to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. A light should not be hidden under a bowl, under a basket, but it needs to be put up on a lampstand so that it gives light for all to see. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus has given you that joy, that responsibility, that privilege. 
we may never reach every 24-year-old with evil in his heart. But we can reach that person who lives across the street, who works with us, who goes to school with us. And by God, we need to, need to make a decision to do it. So where do you stand?